Welcome to the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast, where we don't take from insurance companies. Here are your hosts, Mr. Jordan Comstock and Mr. Ben Tuine. Welcome to another episode of the Navigating Dental Insurance Podcast. My name is Ben Tuine. Today I'm your solo host, uh, Jordan such a slacker and didn't check his calendar today and he decided to go to lunch instead of joining us today on this podcast. Uh, just kidding. Jordan's not a slacker. He's a hard worker. Um, but today I'm going to be your solo host. Um, we have a really awesome guest today, uh, someone that I just recently met online, uh, Dr. Daniel Daniel. He is out of uh, Canada on the far eastern part of Canada, and he can go into his background here. You know, I, I the furthest I've been north in North America was uh, Maine. Um, been up there when I had a girlfriend that uh, that I was dating in Samoa at the time. I was in high school. I was a junior. She was a senior. She just graduated, and she was getting ready to, to move to Boston to go to school. And if you really think about that, from, from American Samoa to Boston, that is a long flight. That's well over two days of traveling on airplanes, <laughs> mind you, because you have so many different stops along the way. You know, you have immigration and you all you have all that. Um, so anyway, I, 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 I've been to Maine. I've not been to that part of Canada. The only uh, few places I've been to in Canada have been places like Toronto. Um, the, the people there and the friends that I have that live up there in um, uh, Canada have been amazing. And the dentistry there, it seems like, it's, it's a blend between uh, the United States and, and Canada in terms of education. You, know, you do CE together. They fly down here for CE. We fly up there for CE. Um, but Dr. Daniel has a, a fascinating story that uh, I asked him to join us today to be on our program to share with us with the intent to provide at least some sense of hope, direction for individuals that, that could or may struggle on a much smaller scale. I don't think anybody or any one of us are going to come close to it. Dr. Daniel has to say today, but Dr. Daniel, welcome to the program today. Thanks, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, likewise. Uh, you know, I, it, it's so interesting. You've been um, such a successful dentist in your career. You know, your background when you started dentistry, you got right into these big cosmetic cases, these bigger cases. And I remember on our call last week, you mentioned to me that uh, you didn't perform any normal general dentistry, right? You know, right out of school, you just got, you just dive, took yeah. a big dive into doing yeah. these massive large cases. Can you go into that history with us and uh, why you haven't been doing single unit crowns for a long, long time? <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I got out of dental school and, you know, it's one of these things where you don't know what you don't know. And when no one told me I couldn't do something, I, well, if they don't tell me I can't do it, well, then obviously I can. So when I got out of dental school, like most people, uh, I was new grad, I moved away to Calgary, Alberta, which is just north of Montana, and I was an associate at a couple practices, and by some stroke of fortune, I ended up meeting uh, a dentist in the city who wasn't working either practice. He worked for uh, one of the first sort of like uh, uh, dental corporations in Canada. This is like 20 years ago. This is back in 99. So I went to pay him a visit, and this guy was doing, Ben, I mean, this guy was doing full multi reconstruction in the 90s. He's part of the Crown Council with his, like, Tom Orant and, you know, um, a, a bunch of big names. I'm not going to go into them today, but he was light years ahead of his time in terms of his clinical dentistry. And I saw what he was doing, uh, not just doing dentistry, but changing people's lives. And I know that sounds so cliche, but until, you know, you live in that world of people coming in who have such an emotional sort of attachment to what's going on in their mouth, and then, you know, you are a facilitator of helping them get to a better spot, and then seeing the difference that makes in their lives, it's actually super cool. And back then, as a new grad, I saw him do this stuff. It was like, to me, it was like magic. I walked in, and I was like, holy, I am <laughs> in love with this man. Um, in a professional manner, of course. Uh, so I just started to take him out for uh, dinner pretty much every week with a notepad and a piece of paper. And, and at that time, I had moved from the two practices I was associating, associating for to uh, kind of like to the same company corporation he worked for. And they gave me a practice to run by myself. And like I said, I didn't know what I didn't know. And this guy was doing inlays, onlays, you know, cosmetic dentistry top six, top 10, full mouth. So I just decided, okay, well, if he can do it, 
you know, I can do it. And no one told me the wiser. So I jumped right into adhesive dentistry, uh, ended up taking, you know, quite a bit of, you know, second of, 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 of education. He pointed me in the right direction. I went to visit John Coyce at the Coyce Center, who is, you know, the man's a legend. I, I don't need to do him any, and I totally, absolutely respect him. And did my occlusion with John and some treatment planning. And I started seeing dentistry, you know, a lot different. I just started doing stuff. I remember my first smile makeover was April of the year 2000. Uh, it was to my first cousin at the time who was there, Tony, who has traveled the world. He lived in uh, Colombia, Egypt, Malaysia, back to Egypt, all over, and recently, two weeks ago, relocated back to Halifax. So we reconnected, and I did his teeth, I think, 20 years ago on some time, and he tells me, and I'm not to my own horn, I mean, he's never had work done since I did, I did his top six and inlays in the back, been over 20 years, never had a problem, every dentist he sees it, and actually is like, what the hell is this? And that was back in the Empress days. So I just started on that path, man, and, and I just went, headlong into it. I did some work up in Calgary. I just kept, you know, evolving that practice as best I could until it was time for me to go home. And little did I know back in 2004 when I moved back to Halifax that, you know, the type of dentistry I wanted to do and the city that I came from were probably not the best mix or the best match. Right. Let's just say that way, right? So, so I came back to Halifax um, and I opened up a boutique practice called Daniel Daniel Dentistry. Of course, you know, my name and stuff. Uh, and, and the story of my name, and by the way, Ben, I didn't tell you this, all three of them are the same. Oh. So the first, the middle, the last. It's a whole longer story. We're not going to fill up the podcast with it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I labeled my name, which actually comes to play later on in the story. I, and, you know, and I wanted to do the type of dentistry I was passionate about doing, uh, quadrant inlays, onlays, and cosmetics. And then very quickly, uh, when I opened up, you know, I did a lot of marketing, you know, uh, a lot of advertising locally, which did two things to put my name on the map, which was great. Got a lot of people interested in cosmetic dentistry, which was fantastic, uh, which was good for me and all the other dentists because, you know, it raised the awareness of, of, of dentistry, but also got me in trouble with the dental board. In Canada, there's a big no-no about uh, advertising and marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, so my own association said, you know, they dragged me down and they said, you, you, you can't do that. But, you know, it turns out I am allowed marketing. They can't stop me from, you know, uh, uh, promoting my business. However, you know, in me pursuing, you know, the necessary marketing to keep myself busy, I did ostracize myself a bit from uh, the dental community, the schools and whatnot, because I'm the, old, I'm the outlier. I'm the guy marketing, I'm the guy doing this and doing that. So, so you know, I kept my nose down, uh, I worked hard, did really well over the years, I started evolving, and I really, by 2007, I think, I basically limited my practice to top six, top 10, and full mouth. You know, I've never been a guy, Ben, you know, even when I finished dental school uh, and was associating, I tried doing a couple root canals and extractions and stuff and just not my cup of tea. I mean, they did call me a bit of a Barbie dentist. I have a, a reputation of avoiding, you know, anything that's too whatever, uh, uh, you know, anything to do with a scalpel or blood. I feel like, no thanks. But uh, over the years, like, it did not take long. I think when I moved back, I stopped doing fillings in 2004 and five and stopped doing endo before that so within five or six years of graduating i seven years i stopped doing all dentistry except for top six top ten full mouth and then some of the quadrant dentistry i was doing but totally just inlays on these crowns um and as i pursued my career in dentistry ben do you want me just to keep going yeah like, keep going to, I, yeah yeah this we'll is just do the whole thing going through your timeline is so key because there's so many dentists that aspire to do what you did, <laughs> you know, get away from, you know, they want to specialize, not necessarily, um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of general dentists don't want to go into specialty school, but they want to do cosmetics, you know, they want to focus on implants, they want to focus on full mouth or full arch, um, and it's a struggle, you know, they, when, when they hear this timeline and story, this is, this is hope for them to know that, okay, somebody's done it, you know, if you're open to, to hearing from them, you know, we'll talk about that too, but please continue. 100%. Yeah, yeah. There's no, I mean, for me, I had a vision and like I said, no one told me I couldn't do it. So I saw no reason why I couldn't. And, you know, the biggest obstacle, you know, for me to, you know, doing the type of dentistry I did have the type of practice I wanted to have was myself, was giving myself permission 
to do that. Because I mean, like we all do, we come out of dental school, Ben, every dentist that finishes dental school goes to work the first day and they feel like an imposter. You're wearing your, and back then I wore a white lab coat, I had a shirt, I had a tie, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? People come in, they think I'm actually a dentist. Now, I know I'm licensed, I know I, I'm a dentist, but I'm not a dentist, I've only finished dental school, right? And then like you start, you know, and you'll learn, grow, learn, grow, learn, grow, or grow, learn, you know, and so as you start going down a path, every time you want to go to the next level, there's a bit of an imposter, there's a lot of internal resistance around, who am I to do this? Who am I to say I can do a smile makeover? Who am I to say I can do an Invisalign case if I've never done one? Who's the one, who am I to say I can take out a toothpaste and implant if I've never done one, or I've only done a few, right? Or, and right. as you kind of go down that path, really, most of my battles came from inside my head, and just giving myself permission to say, yeah, you know what? There's a space out there, you know, in my home city, Halifax. No one's claiming to be, you know, that uh, the most trusted dentist. You know, I was Lana Canada's most trusted dentist. And then, you know, and I want to be the top cosmetic guy. I just, I don't want to be the top. I wanted the best, be the best I could be. And nobody else was vying for the space. So I was like, well, you know, if they're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I just kept, you know, and I kept just pushing it and pushing it. So in 2007, eight, I let go of all the, um, you know, traditional, what a traditional dental office model looks like. I've always been non-assignment. Uh, I just didn't understand why, you know, dentistry, you know, would, 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 would allow insurance to dictate treatment or even interfere with treatment. Now, hey, just so we kind of, and I'll fast forward, I came and built another practice as a family practice where insurance was instrumental in that. So I've learned a lot about, you know, ins insurance being a means to an end. There is a time and a place for insurance and different models, and there's all kinds of different models of practices. But in the model I was running, boutique style, highly relationship-based um, there was no place for insurance. And to the extent I never brought it up, people never asked. It just was right. a non-thing. If they did ask, I would usually be like, yeah, this is all non-assignment. You pay us and you know, your insurance is probably not going to give you a penny for it. And it was done. Literally, <laughs> it was my intention. And yeah. I think a lot of time when dentists focus too much on insurance, they think they're doing the patients a favor. I think they're doing them a disservice. My mm -hmm. opinion, you know, I know it's a necessary evil, but, but it can be incorporated and actually can be a tool in your belt. It's just we need to kind to get our, our, our perspective on insurance right as a team, as a dentist and a team first, we get that figured out. Then we kind of, as a team, it's like parents and children. And, you know, you don't want to be, if there's a problem with kids, as a mom and dad divided on it, you kind of want to go behind closed doors, get it all figured out, and then present a unified front. And it's the same thing as insurance in a dental practice. I think yeah. the dentist and the team really have to come to terms with, you know, figuring out how insurance can benefit their practice and their patients, and then unified present consistently throughout the entire team from the first phone call to the admin, to the dentist, to the treatment coordinators and hygienists. Everyone's kind of singing the same song. And then, you know, there can be a role of, of, of insurance and practice, but, but I digress. No, that's, um, that's an amazing point. I mean, what you brought up there has so much value in it because the vast majority of the dental practices here in the United States and I'm not going to say this uh, to, to fault or blame any of you who are listening to this. I think feel like we've contributed towards this whole insurance-driven problem in the United States. But what you mentioned in terms of insurance not being a factor <laughs> in the way you practice, that's the dream. That is the goal for a lot of our listeners is to figure out how to get there. And I think your whole story in terms of how you got started, where you ended up, and where you end up today has a lot to do, there's a lot of nuggets in there uh, that, that I believe do, do establish you as a true expert on how you can build that and rebuild that and, and build it over again. So I, I'd love for you to continue with your story and your timeline, if you don't mind, because this is, this is fascinating stuff. I, I don't mind at all, but I mean, I love the insurance question. It's come up so much in my in my life when I chat with other dentists about it. So you know, and I love what you guys are doing with it. But in in in, in my head, it's always a it's always a value. It's always a value question. You know, if we create enough value for our clients, right, and they see value in what we do, the value trumps the insurance all day long. If we're not creating value in what we do, of course they're gonna they're gonna come down to to to, to insurance. Again, like we talk about, you know, the main objections in dentistry. Every dentist tells me it's money and time, and those are not the top two objections. It's lack of trust and fear are the number one and two always, always, always. If they know you, they like you, and they trust you. 
right? And you connect with them and you, you do what I, you practice in a way, what I call relationship-driven dentistry, where the relationship comes first, the dentistry comes second. You know, uh, 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 the relationship comes first, dentistry comes second, and then all the other stuff comes after. But it just takes time. And again, I think the traditional dental model focuses on being efficient, and I think it should really prioritize being effective. And effective trumps efficiency. Effectiveness trumps efficiency in my experience of dentistry. And I've ran, you know, my, my boutique practice and I built, as I'll share with you guys, a massive, you know, practice, 5,000 square feet, clinical, you know, multiple doctors, multiple hygienists, all kinds of operatories. My boutique practice, I mean, it was a spectacle to behold. It is a spectacle to behold. I, I sold it. But at the same time, you know, the philosophy of a relationship-driven practice and focusing on being effective over being, uh, sorry, yeah, being effective over being efficient is kind of where, where, where people can, I think they get kind of hung up. When you have the competing value of we're driven, be efficient, be efficient, be efficient. When you're efficient with your clients, you know, I don't think we're putting enough time into the relationship. And after the relationship comes the dentistry. We put the dentistry before the relationship. It's a terrible foundation. And I, and I do, a, you know, we can dig into that some other time. Does that make sense, Ben? Yeah, it does. It does. I'm, in fact, I'm I can't uh, shed any details on the the article that I'm working on for uh, for dental economics. My latest article, I think this one is gonna it's gonna anger a lot of dentists when I unveil one component of dental insurance uh, and and how they've abused the industry from from in a unique way. And part of that article, I talk about how dentistry has become so busy. Uh, we're focused on filling that schedule. We're focused on prioritizing the productions, you know, spacing out them crowns so that the doctors don't break their backs, but putting that treatment in there so that at the end of, end of the day, it's, it's, you're maximizing profit or you think you're maximizing profit. And one of the things that we miss is that we, we're, we're trading the busyness for the relationship. You know, when you're dealing with insurance and you're, you're getting paid so little, we focus way too much on being busy rather than focusing on the individuals that are in, that are going to be in that chair you know and i think for the most part a lot of dental practices think that they have that balanced out well but i don't think that's right i don't think that's true for practices that think they have that that right you know you, you look at a case where you know i sent my father-in-law to get a lot and he got at least $30,000 worth of dentistry done in the last 3 months and the one comment that he came back to me and said was i just you know, it's so different these days. I, 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 don't, I don't even remember the name. I saw, saw four different dentists, um, and I've probably seen maybe 10 different, I don't know if they're hygienists or dental assistants. And, uh, you know, him growing up in, well, he's, he's 81 years old now, but one of the comments he, he said is that just doesn't feel the same as when Dr. So-and-so was my dentist for 40 years in Savannah. He spent a lot of time with us. He wrote letters of recommendation for my children. Um, you know, we were good. I spoke at his funeral. <laughs> well, my father-in-law did. Um, but the, the 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 times have changed to where we've we've sort of put that that real solid relationship that I think you're talking about that has driven your success. We've replaced that with busyness. You know, and and in this article, I outline how that has really allowed the insurance industry to gain more more and more control over the dentists in a way that has really threatened the quality nature of the industry or at least the relationship nature that people that that dentists used to have with patients it's 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 different you know anyway I, I, no, 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 this is, this is great. I think this is fantastic. So a couple things about our industry. What I, what I don't like about our industry, and I'm not going to piss off any of our reader, or listeners, but if I do, I do, is we can't be victims in our own businesses, right? We can't sit there and, and cry on one hand about insurance and bill insurance companies on the other hand, right? So it's about being intentional. So if right. you have a business model, and to me, I'm a fan of every business model that gets the dentist to their goals. So as a mm -hmm. dentist, you want to make money and you want to be happy and those are the two sort of core drivers of why would you own a business every entrepreneur wants to make money and be happy and be satisfied in their in their life so if you're practice if you look at it as a vehicle to get you to your goals the model you choose now you be intentional don't let dentistry choose a model for you you choose the model if the model you choose includes insurance 
fantastic. I have no problems with insurance. If the model you choose is insurance-based and is efficiency-based, is being as efficient as possible, filling the holes, fantastic, run that model. If you're getting the results you want and you're happy, fantastic. If you're not, then we need to talk. And again, with that model, Ben, what I'm hearing you say, I think there's a bit of a ceiling on that model. Mm -hmm. When you're running yep. a non-relationship-based practice and you're going in and out, in and out, and out, there's a lot of dangers to that. I feel it's like running with a pair of scissors. Uh, beside a slippery pool with that, you know bare thought. feet and some Vaseline <laughs> on the soles of your feet. It's very dangerous because yeah. when you're not running a relationship-driven practice, you, know, you don't have a relationship with your clients, when something goes wrong, it's not if something goes wrong, it's when something goes wrong. The amount of clients that turn on their dentist when they don't have a relationship is far greater than those that do if they do have a relationship. Right. And trust me, trust me, we come in with the best of intentions. You come in, there's a bottom right molar, cavities close to the nerve. You know, you come in, you're kind of rushed. The guy, you don't know him, you come in, you freeze, you do it. You go, listen, okay, yeah, we did the filling, good luck, whatever. A week or two later, the tooth blows up, it's got pain, comes back in, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you're going to need a root canal on the crown. And they're like, this I had no pain two weeks ago. I didn't think anything was wrong. This guy now got me for $150 for the filling. Now he wants two grand for root down crown. This guy's a crook. He ruined my tooth and I hate him, right? And I'm going to go on social media and blow, the, blow up this office and put 57,000 bad reviews, right? Or whatever. Versus, hey, you know, you have the relationship with, you know, uh, the patient who comes in. You're like, hey, you put the time in up front. You've got a cavity. It's close to the nerve, man. I'm going to do everything I can to save this tooth, but I really, really need to warn you. There's a chance when we take it out that that thing might become infected. You might be in a bunch of pain. Okay, and I need you to know that before I start, because if you're in pain, you know, we're going to have to get you back in, and there's going to be a lot more dentistry. Now, if you don't do anything guaranteed, you're going to be in a root canal, and you're going to need a root canal crown. But if we do try today, right, we might get you out of it, but it might go that way anyways. Does that make sense? you have any questions, I draw diagrams. That whole communication, Ben, literally mm -hmm. takes me two to three minutes, and it creates so much trust with a, just a pen and a piece of paper. And I've got, I had one of the most state-of-the-art, awesome you've ever seen every room had no overhead lights we all use our headlights we had overhead screens we had two cpus with one computer attached to the back of the screen one computer attached back so we could show them internal camera photos everything my assistant's taking taking stuff in back they have full videos they have movies netflix they put on their wireless headphones they're in their zone i have my own sound system behind me in every operatory color corrected lights i had everything going and i still use a pen and a notepad I would draw the out of everything. And literally with a <laughs> diagram and two or three minutes, I would connect more. They would get it. And then let's just say I did that filling. Not that I do fillings. You do the fillings, blah, 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 ends up in a root canal. They come back to like, yeah, Dr. So-and-so said this was going to happen. It mm -hmm. sucks. I thought we were going to get out of it. But that two or three minutes to create the relationship creates a foundation. So not if something goes wrong, when something goes wrong, you have something to fall back on. In today's day and age with social media, keyboard warriors, people being malicious, the cancel culture, I mean, there is nothing more important than protecting your own sanity and your own reputation. And again, it starts at just building connections with your, with your team. And by the way, you guys who are listening, ultimately it was a relationship that sunk my entire business and my entire life, you know, at, at, or for when it happened. But, but I, I do, Ben, I, I agree with you. I think there's different models. And I think if we're intentional with the model, fantastic. But there's only so far you get with a model that's efficient and, 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 and you get so much further with an effective model. But I think it's like taking lessons in golf. Not that I golf, but I know if you're a golfer and you're yeah. doing good, you take lessons. I think you dip. You don't go as good, and then you get way better. And it's the mm -hmm. same thing with moving from efficient to effective. It looks like the numbers are going down, but you're really just preparing, and then they go right through it. And it's not the first or second time I've been through this. I've been with, doing with doctors for, for many, many years, supporting you know, a, a lot of my colleagues and breaking through these sort of glass ceilings that they've put on themselves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sorry, no, I no, no, I think that's awesome. I think you know, in the end, I, you know, with the, the conversations that we've had so far, I, I would definitely – um, tag you or at least um, associate with you with being an expert in this field of relationships. And I know that you've been through, you, you kind of alluded to it and maybe we can spend just maybe not too much time, you know, because I know yeah. that this is, you know, everybody that has a, an experience that they just want to get away from, you know, sometimes it's painful to talk about those experiences. Sometimes it's good, you know, to overcome them and conquer them, but then move on. So if you don't mind, I want to just briefly touch on what you mentioned there 
you know, in terms of that, uh, that pitfall that you experienced, how you recovered from it, and, and your advice for younger dentists that may or may not go through something like close to, I don't think anybody, I mean, I don't, I mean, my heart goes out to anybody that ever goes through your exact same experience, but I know that yeah. from time to time, we, we're going to get a negative review like I did. The very first review I got from my business on Google was a negative review, and it's so funny. There's this, there's this company called Align, I think they're called Alignable, and I, I joined it because it's a, you know, one of the dentists said, hey, I found you on Alignable, and, and they ended up hiring us. I thought, wow, I don't even, I've never even heard about this company, so I enrolled, and the crazy thing is, is I'm, I never ask clients for reviews. They just go on and they review, now they review on their own. Sometimes yeah. I'll ask for them. Alignable actually asks them to review me. And you know what? I've been getting all these great, fantastic reviews from clients that I thought, you know, if I did ask them for a review, I wonder, you know, just, just because of my, you know, I know them and how busy they are. I'm like, I wonder if they even have time to do that. But Alignable is asking them for, to review me, and they're reviewing. And I'm like, wow. why didn't I, you know, now I ask for reviews because I know the value of it. But the very first review I got was a negative review, and I just, I just put my head in the sand. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let, let me tell you about a negative review. So, so I'll kind of hit the highlight. So you guys, I kept going in my practice in 2009. I was a bit of a maniac. I was doing just under 2 million as a solo practitioner. And this is over a decade ago. You know, my cases started at 15 grand, tapped out around a hundred thousand. I started getting into some implant stuff. And then I was really just into, you know, restoring full mouth implants, uh, you know, all on six, seven, eight, and then, you know, maybe some, some, and, and, subsequently some dentures, and then from there, uh, uh, denture-supported implants. There's a bunch of stuff there, but my practice really did, did incredibly well. In 2013, I had been practicing for 14 years, and I wanted to do more. I was supporting other dentists here and there. I just wanted to see what I could do in the terms of education. I had a bit of a vision, so I bought a property in the city. It was a standalone building. I renovated the shit out of this building uh, uh, and converted the whole thing into 7,000-square-foot dental facility, 2,000 square feet uh, in the basement, but it had a kind of a back, separate entrance in the back with locker rooms. I had three or four showers. I had wow. double like kitchens, uh, uh, dish, like the whole thing was all lifestyle based with an education facility. And on the main floor was 5,000 square feet of clinical where I had my boutique, you know, office kind of on one side of the separate entrance, separate washroom, separate a reception area. And then the main family practice and the main, and I opened up a family practice from scratch. No clue what I was doing. I had only run a basically a non-assignment, a non-insurance office, boutique style. By the way, you guys, over between 2000 and you know seven, when I started realizing I need to get a, a market outside of Halifax, I marketed Nova Scotia, I marketed Eastern Canada. Then I was marketing in the states. I was marketing in Europe. I had people flying in from all over North America, as far away from as Germany. I had a number of people flying from Germany. I'd done one case, and she had referred to me uh, a, a number of people would fly in and out so we were doing you know i was doing i was on the top of my game uh, i was doing you know high high-end dentistry a lot of you know a lot of responsibility people were flying in i was you know very excellent doing virtual consults back then we would be doing consults i would get the case pretty much sold so when they flew in they already put a deposit and we're starting treatment because when they're flying in we're not around you can't mess around with these people who jump right. on a plane and fly you know from from europe to halifax to get their things done so so i have a lot to say on that but the point of the matter is I was doing good I built this building I built the family practice from scratch I really kind of did a lot of digging in about SEO and understand marketing I mean I was spending 25 to 35,000 a month on marketing for years I'd spend millions on marketing my name Daniel Daniel Dentistry I did a fantastic job with the family practice I called it Daniel Daniel general dentistry or something like that um, and then uh, in year one the family practice did over seven figures did over a million dollars from organic in a highly saturated market like Halifax which pumps out 35 to 40 new dentists every year for like the last 40 years wow. so 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 we were doing some really cool things and then of course as I was telling Ben last week September uh, 2015 was 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 doomsday uh, you know I had a client I was treating and I treat a lot of erratic emotional uh, clients. This woman was, you know, somewhere in her 50s, mid 50s, and again, you know, not having a nice smile is an emotional hotspot. So, so they come in and they're emotionally erratic and they're a little bit all over the place. But generally speaking, we have a system. Uh, 
a process to which we, we, we onboard people with after a number of consultations, we go slow, I'm very meticulous in my dentistry, and usually by the end of the treatment, they, you know, they, they, we develop a relationship, a friendship, and they're our biggest raving fans. This one person came in erratic and then came out the other end even more erratic. When I did her top 10, um, and back then it was 25 grand, I'm pretty transparent about everything I do. Uh, we did the case, it was perfect, meticulous. I have a test driver smile technique where my temps are literally identical to the final restorations, and I, and I, and I have this process so people see everything, size, shape, color, they sign off, then we come in, we did the teeth, they were perfect. She loved them, they were fantastic, and then three or four months later, Ben, she came back and says, I don't like them. And I was like, well, that's odd because you really loved them a few months ago. No problem, back then, that version of Daniel, huge people pleaser. I'm like, I can, I can please anybody. Let's <laughs> do them again. She goes, okay, I want them done again. So this time, I mean, I was even more meticulous. I spent two, three weeks having her come in with the temps, everything was exactly as she loved them. Did the teeth again on me, no charge to her, put them in, love them. Come back a few months later, hates them. So this story, and I'm embarrassed to say this part, dragged on for over a year. I saw her 78 times. I redid her teeth every single time on me. And by the time I realized it had nothing to do with the teeth, it had everything to do with the few screws that are loose in her head, I was in far too deep. It was a you know, and I realized that I was like, this woman's cuckoo and I'm contributing to the cuckoo-ness, right? I'm just keep giving her, giving her, giving her. So finally, you know, at the end of the thing, I'm like, we can't keep going on. She's like, I want my money back. I'm like, thank you, take it. So I had an office manager. I said, Jen, give her, get, give her her money back. I just never want to see her again. Get her to sign off. Because legally, I don't want to have any repercussions. I want her to be, not talk about it, not whatever. She wouldn't sign any of the paperwork, which should have been a red flag. Um, and then she goes to the internet in July of 2015 and puts out this sort of like nasty piece of business that three people saw. And someone sent to me, I sent it to my lawyers. They're like, dude, this woman's crazy. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. For, and I, we can't go back in time. I should have worried about it because sure enough, one of the dental offices locally saw it, got together with her and then re-released a different version of what she wrote professionally done. They had my URL in there 117 times. Yeah. They put it on Blogspot, which is a Google product. They optimized it. If you're not familiar with SEO, this thing was SEO'd perfectly. Then they put it on Facebook. They did a paid boost, and they titled it My Horrible Experience at Daniel Daniel Dentistry. So they took my name, Daniel 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 Dan Dentistry, which I'd spent probably in the vicinity of – two to four million in the past 10 years creating a name and they piggybacked the title on top of my name and I was the most well-known professional in my part of the world not my province in the eastern part of my country there was everybody knew who I was so that that blog had 80,000 views in the first 36 hours in a city of maybe three, four hundred thousand people. And by the way, after like two or three days, it went all across the country. And I had people from all over North America being like, what the f happened? Okay. And then just so we understand as our listeners, because a lot of them like me was like, well, how could that, how could, like in my head is like one bad thing can't, can't take down a dynasty of dentistry. Well, there's a few things we all need to know. She owned the blog. She moderated the blog. Everybody who know me, loves me, puts on nice things was deleted. Anybody who doesn't know me would come read the, I mean, this hit every trust buster. He sedated me. I don't know what happened. She's like 50-something years old. I don't know if they did anything to me. Car salesman, he said he would do veneers. He did crowns. He lied to me. He this, that, and it just went on. And then everybody, there's this sort of like dynamic, a villain, villain. When someone sees somebody who's been victimized, they kind of want to run in and be like the hero, and they vilify the other person, and they made me into the villain. And since no one's reading anything nice, they're like, oh, nobody must like this guy. Everyone's writing bad shit about him, and they just keep chiming in, chiming in, chiming in. And on top of that, for my listeners, I am 46 years old. I grew up super, super poor. I was super proud to be successful, and I lived my life loud in a very small city. So I was, you know, in my crazy, you know, 30s when all this was going on. I was making money. I liked it, and I wasn't flaunting it in terms of rubbing people's faces in it. I was enjoying my success. I had a super fancy sports car. I had pentos downtown. I entertained a lot of parties. 
big dinners, lots. I was out every like every weekend. People knew who I was, and I was very flamboyant for for a city like this. And I and I loved it. But all that got turned upside down. Got sucked right into this blog, and he's like this, and he's like that, and then it got nasty. His parents live here. Go pick at his parents' house. Go do this. Go his brothers. This. I mean, it was a piece of work. Um, needless to say, it blew up, and then my practice blew up accordingly. You know, I used to get about when I had the family practice going into it about 200 plus phone calls a month. In September, we had seven phone calls after September 5th. Wow. In October, I had 11 phone calls. Uh, and again, this is a big business. You know, we've got a family practice. You've got my practice. We're generating big numbers. You know, we're not talking 100,000. We're doing two to 300,000 a month and all that just stops. Like it keeps going, but the, 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 the engine that drives it stops. So eventually that wanes down. Um, I, you know, hit a serious negative cash flow position and I dig in and I'm like, no, it. I'm not, this isn't, there's no, this was before the Me Too movement. This was before cancel culture. This is before, hey, I'm going to put someone's name on the internet and the whole world's going to kick them out of movies or kick them out of entertainment. This was before all that. I was like, there's no way this is going to take me down. There's too many people who love me. So I dug in. I spent more on marketing. I rebranded the family practice to a different name, new signs, new mark, new everything. And I spent Everything I had, everything I owned, and by that time I owned a lot. I had different homes. I had, not that I all lived in rental properties. Just I liquidated everything from you know the beginning of 2016 right up until March of 2018. I remember the day. It was a Friday. I think March 14th, 2018. I don't know the exact day, but I know it was a Friday. And when I looked at myself and I said, "It's over. It's done." You. This is not happening. I drained everything. Got to the point, and this is pretty embarrassing, where I had to borrow from my sister who worked for me as my administrator to get by some of the bills I had. The bank turned its back on me, obviously, and I landslided out of control. And I was literally um, 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 on the edge of bankruptcy and losing everything. And there's a whole other story there, you know, but ultimately I ended up rejigging the family practice. I, you know, got myself out of there. I made it an associate driven practice. I made it sellable. I shut down my thing, got out of clinical, focused really on what are the principles of making money. And I, and I built in a very short amount of time, a family practice that could be sold. I sold everything paid everything off and nearly escaped bankruptcy. And it probably could have been better if I would have went bankrupt and started over years ago. But again, I, you know, I put myself through some torture getting through it. Um, you know, anyways, you know, the, the good news is, the good news is I'm coming out the other side of it. And some of what Ben wants me to share, I think, are some of the lessons or what is it like, cause I'm happy, Ben, you, you, you tell me what it is I should, you want to hear me talk about. Yeah. I, I appreciate you talking about that. I mean, man, well, what we learned about this lady is she, she ended up, she did this same thing to other doctors in the past. Yeah. And so there was At a the pattern. Discovery. Yeah, it came out to be a pattern. I was a target. Um, it, it got pretty nasty. And there's also, that's where I uncovered some of the conversations she had with other people that I thought, you know, that, that were fairly sinister in the scheming around this. Right. So this wasn't, this isn't, this wasn't punishment for you because you did something wrong. This was just a, something that you were targeted. You did everything right in terms of the relationship game, the clinical component, the fact that you saw her you said what 78 times or something rather that's where i went wrong that's where that's, i went wrong you know not yeah. if i was gonna go wrong exactly like i don't listen i you know i don't sit there and regret my you know what i did in terms of dentistry i think and good things and bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people right. and bad things happen happen to me and i am a good person at heart i love every one of my clients in a professional manner and i would bend over backwards i used to show up sometimes at 3 a.m for my out-of-town clients who'd fly in and we'd start work at 4 a.m just to accommodate or stay later it didn't matter to us we were all about taking care of the clients but yeah it wasn't what i did that got me i was targeted i'm not a victim though man i'm accountable i i did you know lead a very liberal lifestyle i had a ton of fun you know i didn't 
communicate with the dentists in my community. I'm totally accountable for my role in all this, but I'm not to blame. I don't own it. And there's a big difference between being yeah. accountable for, 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 for our own actions and, and being to blame for an event. I'm not to be blamed for that, but I am definitely aware of, you know, kind of, you know, what I went through and I, and I would go back in time and advise myself a few things differently, you know, and especially about the letting, you know, about the letting go of the client and just being like, okay, you know, if I can't make her happy, I mean, there's so many good things that came of this, Ben, number one, you guys, you guys want some tidbits? Here's some tidbits. I'll give you this. Absolutely, these are the most, some of the most valuable things you can hear. Number one, audio record every consult we audio recorded every single consult it's easy you plug in your little speaker it's just like like this the speaker that just sits on the counter they ask them before they come in hey do we have your permission to record the audio cons uh, uh, record this consultation on you know record at the audio part it's for you it's for us it's going to be going on your records you have access to any time and they ask them while it's recording so they say yes as long as they give their verbal permission in Canada where I'm from while it's recording that's consent right. and then from the re we record every consultation number one so we're never ever ever caught by saying oh you said this and we didn't say it. everything and they're such small easy files they just go in the patient file or they go on a separate database it's really easy it'll save you so much headache to have it all your recorded number two never do a consult alone which I think 99% of dentists know that I'm not allowed to be left alone with a with it with a client ever. I refuse to be left alone just from the simple fact we're in a different world today. That was years ago. Um, um, those two. And then number three is my triple guard guarantee, right? If I can't make it right by the second time, I give them all their money back. This is when, when, you know, when I had to make some modifications. If you do a case and they don't like it and you redo it again and they're not happy, give them all the money back put a triple guard guarantee. If you can't make it right by the second time, nobody can give them their money and kiss the goodbye and don't, and don't sweat it. Don't, you know, there are some, definitely some, 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 some solid things, you know, I've pulled out of that and, and instilled when I, when I was practicing, um, instilled to, uh, to keep going, uh, sorry, to, to prevent it from, from, from coming back again. No, that's awesome. I, I think, um, the wonderful thing about your experience is that you, you came out of this, and, and saw things that you can adjust. And now, it, it, I mean, it looks like you have, you know, that experience has taught you to, number one, avoid that same experience again. But there's so much to be learned about your entire career, <laughs> you know, how you got into dentistry and you, how, you, how you worked so fast in record time to get to that, that, that area of, you know, the type of revenue that you were making, Eliminating that insurance barrier, you know, not building a practice based upon the driven insurance mentality that is poisoning almost every dental practice and medical practice in the world. But you went through an experience. I shouldn't complain about that one negative review that I got. That is nothing compared to what you've been through. Um, and and sometimes, you know, as 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 uh, dentists, you know, we go through an experience with some patients where you know patients are naturally going to complain. That's just going to happen in any relationship yep. business. You know, you're going to have people that are just not going to be agreeable regardless of whether, you know, how much you do. Um, but on, on, on the other side of this is that there's still a beautiful career. I mean, you've proven to be able to build and then rebuild after going through such a devastating experience. And I personally believe that you have a lot to offer the industry. I don't know if you coach or if you mentor, if you provide any of those items. Um, but I, I know a lot of dentists that could learn so much from you in terms of not just the clinical. I think you have the best of both worlds in being able to deliver beautifully on the clinical, but the relationship, that there is, you know, we hear about this a lot in the United States, a fee-for-service practice, how to get out of insurance, and it's all about that relationship, you know, with the patient. And you marry those two things together in a way that, you know, I can count on a single hand how many dentists I know that um, have been able to accelerate their career just like you have. Uh, but I can, I can count thousands of dentists that aspire to learn from people like you. And so, you know, I, our, our time is running out. I wish we, I wish we yeah. could sit here and talk for hours. But <laughs> I, I, Well, I'll, I'll leave you with this. So, Ben, you know, I got out of dentistry after all this thing with no interest in going back into dentistry. I was done with the profession. Um, but during...
right before COVID, you know, I was writing a book. I know I say I was done. I was still writing a book on some techniques in dentistry and some of the that I've done. Um, and then I got pulled in during COVID. I was helping some other dentists. I wrote a manual and I was like, I'm going to put this thing, uh, give it to some guys who I know need some help on how to survive and thrive through the pandemic. That got pulled in. And to be honest, I did a webinar for uh, the tribe at the Koi Center. I've done a couple of them. But that first one was the first time I've shared a bit of my story. This is the first time I've actually went on and felt comfortable talking about my past. And there's a, so much more in the past five years. From five, It's been five years now. And these ups and downs, there's so much more uh, beauty in that. But this is the first time I've shared my story and I'm re-entering the dental community asked about and my goal is to support other dentists in being successful and being happy you know and using and, that, and that's where my goal is and how I want to interface I do yeah I do support dentists there's coaching there's stuff going on but at the end of the day if just one conversation with me can better someone's life I'm happy to have that conversation there's no cost to any of that and if there's if something comes after it fantastic so if people want to reach out to me I, you know I'm always open to having a you know a conversation and a chat and if they have questions about whatever I'm always transparent and if they want more yes you know there is more but but you know I know I know I I know my story is powerful and I know I just don't want to see other people go through what I went through when it's just senseless and needless and there's you know we just don't need to we're in a very vulnerable profession we work our off we love our patients we get over by the insurance companies we get over by the bottom 20% of patients who want to complain and if there's ways to protect dentists to allow them to be successful and and protect that downside and I know all kinds of what I went through can support them then I want them to know that because I honestly man after what I went through I wouldn't even wish that on somebody I don't like you know um, so no I appreciate you giving me an opportunity and I can't believe I've this is I'm proud of myself because this is the first time I've actually went on in detail about about what happened, and like you said, we could have talked much more about it, but it's the first time I've actually, you know, really opened up and, and started talking about it. I honestly predict that you're, you're going to be on um, um, the, the platform. A lot, a lot of associations would want to hear your story, just the education that you can provide, uh, especially on the clinical side, you know, I think um, there's a lot there that you have to offer that, uh, I, I mean, I looked you up between last week and today, and, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. you definitely do have a good reputation, you know, I think a lot of people yeah. have come out in your defense, um, and, and, and the great thing is, is that when you look at your reviews, um, people love you, man, people think that, and believe, I shouldn't say think, they, they believe and know that you're, you're just a, an awesome guy, an awesome dentist, a great clinician, but as a person, you're just phenomenal. You know, I was, I was blown away at a lot of the comments that I read about people coming to your defense. And, you know, I'm very sorry to hear, you know, I think we're all sorry about that unfortunate experience. That could have happened to anybody, you know, but for it to happen to a guy like you, that you, you were doing things so right. And the beauty about it is that you can, you can, I mean, it, I, I think about, you know, those, those shows that you, you see alternate realities or alternate, you yeah. know, what, what would have happened if I lived on another earth, same me, um, you know, that movie, the, the flash or that series called the flash, you know, they, yeah. there are multiple earths. And I think about you and, and, and researching your story. If there are a hundred different earths out there, you're the guy that's successful in all of them. <laughs> you <know? laughs> well, you know, I don't, you know, Ben, to be honest, you know, I'm not leaving this on a bad note. I honest to God believe it was up to me to make that the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's painful. And like, honestly, I was telling myself this for years and I didn't believe it, but coming out the other end of it, I honestly believe there's a gift in it. There, this needed to happen. I needed to get divorced from clinical dentistry, it very like painfully divorced to allow me to come in and support other people the way I wanted to. I think when I was on the other side of it, I've always wanted to support other dentists and I could, but I couldn't see things the way I see them now. And I don't think the extent I could support them in the past, which was good, isn't nearly as powerful as what I went through now. So I believe there's a gift in it. And again, it's up to me to make, to make this the best thing to ever happen. And not that... I'm celebrating that disaster, but hey, like I'm refused to be defined by an event. That event will not define me. No way it did. It took a few years out of me. It, it blew my sails. And I lost a lot of my swagger, you know, and my mojo, but it's all come back and then some. And I don't think I've ever been more pumped about my life and about dentistry, even this crazy post-COVID, post-whatever, pre-whatever 
still going down. There's all kinds of shit going on. I don't think I've ever been more excited about dentistry because I honestly know I'm going to be 10 times more powerful now than I was, and I am more powerful now than I was five years ago because I'm not being, I'm not being dragged not being held to a practice or to a clinic. I am free to really focus in on helping people find their gifts and helping them maximize their gifts in, in, in dentistry. That's awesome. Are you open for people, for other dentists or individuals contacting you if they have questions or if they just want to connect with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just, you know, send me an email uh, at daniel at danieldanieldentistry.com. Um, I'm sure Ben will put it up somewhere. Uh, possibly that's just my that's just my personal email uh, the old Daniel Daniel dentistry yeah Daniel at Daniel Daniel dentistry.com but I'm sure yeah just fire me anything you need you just want to have a question you want to have a conversation you go whatever I can do to help man it's my absolute pleasure it's uh, I'm so appreciative of you Ben you know and you guys Ben's fantastic as y'all listeners know and um, you know was referred to him a little while ago and I busted into some of the podcasts and then we had a great conversation and then again today and I'm um, proud to have made a new friend in the industry and really excited for what you and Jordan are doing. I love it. The whole, I was listening to some of their stuff before I got on this and I was getting more and more and more pumped. And it's not about kicking the insurance companies in the nuts. It's not about that. It's about you being intentional with your practice, you living your life and not letting anything or anyone else define your success or your life. You don't have to be unhappy, man. You can be, you can do whatever you want. You just have to be intentional with it. And when people out there like Jordan and Ben are, are, are singing song and providing valuable content, it makes me feel good about everything. So, so yeah, you guys are awesome, man. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm honored to be a guest on your show. Hey, like, likewise, Dr. Daniel, I, we're going to, we're going to reach out to some people to, we want to, we want to bring out you out here to Utah, hopefully sometime in the future to speak to the local association here. And I'm going to talk to them about that because I think your story is just amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today. So for those of you that are listening, I will post Dr. Daniel's um, contact information in the show notes and then just uh, a brief bio about him as well. So check that out when you're not driving. <laughs> um, <laughs> stay, <yeah. laughs> so, oh, stay safe everybody enjoy enjoy life enjoy dentistry this is what this is all about you know whatever makes you happy um, there's always a path that will allow you to obtain that happiness despite what goes on on a personal level on a business or professional level and dr daniel has 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 proven and shown that we can definitely recover um, from you know the bad things that could potentially come our way so again Dr. Daniel, thank you so much for being on the program. Um, we truly uh, hope to have you on the program again in the future. But in the meantime, we, we're looking forward to hearing awesome feedback from the listeners that uh, that are going to reach out to you because I, I, I feel that many of them will. So thank you again. Thank you, man. And thank you, everybody, for, for, uh, for tuning in. And anybody who wants, reach out. I'm looking forward to uh, having a chat. Awesome. Folks, this okay. is Dr. Daniel. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm.